It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello and welcome to Accelerate. You know, I couldn't be more excited to talk with my guest today. Joining me is David Long. Now, he's the founder and CEO of My Employees, a 25-year-old firm, the top 1% worldwide in employee engagement and recognition industry. And he's the author of a best-selling book, Built to Lead, Seven Management Rewards for Becoming a Top 10% Manager. You know, talk is cheap, and more managers than not talk a good game about wanting to be the best, about succeeding in their job, in their careers, in their lives. But something holds them back from taking the necessary steps to achieve that success and to achieve their goals. You know, perhaps they just don't know what they should be focusing their energies on to transform their performance, or perhaps they're in the top 20%, but don't know how to elevate themselves and take that step up into being a truly great manager. Well, my guest today, David Long, has written a great book that lays out a roadmap that you can follow to achieve your dreams and become one of the top 10%. He's going to help us sort it all out. David, welcome to the show. Thank you, Andy. I'm happy to be here. So tell us a little bit about you. Tell us about your company and how'd you get your start in business? In business? <laughs> well, this goes way back. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I started, I had a paper route when I was 11. We don't need to go all that far back. Anyway. <laughs> well, no, that's, that's a good story. I love those paper route stories. <laughs> that's okay. I'm sure you've heard a few of those. But, uh, you know, ironically, most successful business people started working early. You know, yeah. I, I've, yeah. I've, that's one thing I've learned about a lot of entrepreneurs that are very successful is that they had jobs when they were in high school. And I'm one of those people. And they, you didn't just, you know, and they worked when they were in college. I worked my way through school. I think most successful people know what it means to struggle. And uh, I tell, now we'll skip ahead to when I started my business. I tell people I started my business more out of desperation than inspiration. Uh, I had been pretty successful and, uh, in, the, in the retail world in my younger days. And I actually was chosen one out of seven managers out of 1,200 managers on the East Coast. They're a national electronics firm. And they basically uh, had been audited because I was doing so well out of a district of 42 stores. I won 14 manager of the months in three years. I uh, won three trips, uh, you know, manager of the year out of 42 stores for the district. You said, kind of you said you had been audited because they didn't oh, believe, yeah. they well, didn't well, believe your success? They audit you. <laughs> they want to make sure you're legit, right? That's your, so, reward, that's your reward is they give you an audit. Absolutely, yeah. I was audited <laughs> about probably every 14 or 15 months. But when I, I was chosen the one of seven people, one of seven managers, they came and audited me, but they asked me a whole new series of questions. And they asked me questions because they wanted to make sure that I was doing everything by the book, so to speak. So they asked me, are there any policies of the company you disagree with? And I remember I said, well, yeah, there's one. And I remember the guy, the security guy going, he looked at me stupid, he, really crazy look on his face because what do you mean? Which one? And I said, I don't agree with this particular splitting commission thing. And his next question to me was, well, have you broken that policy? And I, you, when you ask it like that, it's like you've got that momentary you know, thing that shoots through your mind. Uh-oh, I'm busted. You know, kind of deal. What do I say? <laughs> so I just I told him the truth. I said, yeah, I, I don't think it's uh, the right way to do it. I think it's wrong. Well, anyway, he called up and got the divisional vice president of the company on. And the guy got on there and he goes, blankety blank, David, you're one of my superstars. And you blankety blank. And, you know, it just ripped me apart. And I remember he said, uh, 
Uh, I said, I don't really agree with the, but he says, nobody gives a blanket like what you think about it, son. <laughs> you know, I was, I was 28 years old, so I was, you can still call me son, I guess. But uh, so anyway, he said, hand the, hand the phone back to Paul. And, you know, and all of a sudden I hear Paul saying, you sure, sir? He's one of our best. And, and anyway, so he hangs up and he goes, hand me your keys. And I'm, I was devastated, man. I sat there and cried. I was like, man, I'm a company man. I've been working like 70 hours a week for eternity. You know, really successful with the company. Like you said, one of my, you know, he called me one of his stars. I mean, that's that's the word he used. And uh, but you know, it it they took my keys, man. And I was in a tailspin for three and a half years, and I basically had to put my tail between my legs and move my wife and my three children at age thirty-one back into my mom and dad's. Uh, 1,340 square foot house. Oh, and my baby brother still lives at home. So eight people in that small little house. <laughs> and I started my business, as I said, more out of desperation than inspiration in a five foot by five foot spot in my mom and dad's, might I add, unair conditioned garage in July. So yeah, that was brutal. And I was only in there about a month and a half where I got a little office. So my business took off. So, But that was... I still find it interesting, though. You so this is when you started your employee recognition right. business. Yeah, <laughs> they were in the top one percent. So, so is that sort of a, a direct connection to the day they said, "Hey, turn in your keys." It's like, you know, these people don't know how to recognize and reward them. Yeah, know, performance. Yeah, I mean, they could have slapped me on the wrist, and it would have been fine. But they basically wanted to make an example. I mean, it's okay. You know, I believe in divine providence, and that was a definite indication of it to me. Uh, because if they had not stayed as a company man, and today, you know, and I, please don't think I mean this to sound arrogant, but, you know, I, as you and I were talking about, I mean, I took off 27 weeks of vacation last year and, you know, I don't have any debt. I own a bunch of property, commercial as well as residential. Uh, my wife and I ride Harley Davidson's, you know, we took off six and a half week trip in 2005, rode ocean to ocean. It was 10 years ago, I guess. And I uh, had a blast. You know, I, I, I have a phenomenal team, 59 employees. We did, you know, 10 million, 400,000 this year. And uh, which is, by the way, any any business with annual sales, and I, I found I thought this was kind of a, a very special uh, moment, is that in the history of the United States of America, less than one percent of businesses have ever hit ten million in sales. Sure, and we are in that elite one percent in yet another way when we hit ten million. Which was hitting ten million. What you said? Oh, I thought. But what was the other way you were elite? Oh, we're in the top one percent in our industry. Okay. Uh, I will say this, though. You know, we, you mentioned before that the title of the book is "Built to Lead: Seven Rewards." Pardon, pardon me. Seven management rewards principles for becoming a top ten percent manager. Andy, I've actually been fortunate enough in my lifetime to have become a top one percent in three separate unrelated industries. Real estate being one of those. In our business, we are in now, but also in the retail world, I was in the top one percent. Mm-hmm. So what I write about in my book, my friend, is fact. It is proven, and it does not matter what the manager or the leader uh, business they are in. It doesn't matter. This, the principles are the principles, and they work. So what was the impetus for writing the book? I'm sick of seeing so much failure. Uh, in the book, I talk about the World at Work survey, and this was from 2009 to 2012. What they, what they said basically is for – and this is for any, any given company, by the way. This is universal. They said for any company that has 100 or more employees, less than – well, I should say only six or seven of those will ever 
be promoted to manager at all. And of those, less than one, but let's just say one, actually gets promoted to the second level. So there's a massive failure rate. And by the way, those other five or six people that didn't get promoted to the second level typically wash out within five years. Or they do a lateral move and stay in the same company. That's how critical it is, and the failure rate is astronomical. And they just people companies just chew through managers. You know what I'm talking about, Andy? Mm-hmm, sure. I mean, companies. If you've ever worked in in a particular industry, and there's a bunch of different locations, whether it be, you know, food, restaurant, hotel, hospitality, shipping, it doesn't matter. Whatever the company is, if there's a ton of employees, you see turnover quite a bit. So to say that only one person out of a hundred employees actually gets promoted that second time is a very, very minuscule number. That's why I wrote the book. I got sick of it. All right. So Erica's shipping jobs overseas left and right. Right. Oh, good gracious. And and I really I don't have to work another day the rest of my life, but I love to, don't get me wrong. I have a phenomenal team. I literally love going I love getting back from vacation just to go hang out with my people. And I constantly try to help them be better tomorrow than they are today. And that's my same philosophy for myself. You know, I read three to four hours every day. I tell people my job today within my own company is I am coach, mentor, and cheerleader without the skirt. That's me. Hey, they're male cheerleaders too. (laughs) That's right. So you talk about in the book some symptoms for managers who are in trouble, right? I mean, who just, you know, aren't on the track to get to that top 10% or top 1% even. Yeah. And you start with talking about working in the job, but not on the job. And this seems to be so common for people and really not just managers, but people in general in that just ignore their personal and professional development. So talk about that. What were were you talking about in terms of the documented processes that help people get through that? Yeah. Michael Gerber, uh, if you're familiar with him or not, he wrote the E-Myth or E-Myth Revisited. I figured you probably would be. Uh, Anybody who's read any management books at all, Michael Gerber is usually one of the ones that they've read. And he talks about building systems within the company. But he also talks about people that he says, here's how he phrases it. He says, these employees that go to work, but they don't really like drink the Kool-Aid. They go in and they are, he calls them grunts. And they go to work and here's what he says. They're doing it, doing it, doing it. Go home, eat, kiss the wife, go to bed, or, you know, husband or whatever, and get up the next day, go back to work, doing it, doing it, doing it. And they don't really contribute anything. They just get by. And that's basically what he's talking about. You know, you just have to really, really have a desire, regardless of your position within the company, to get better tomorrow than you were today, if you're going to be successful. And you can't rely on the company to necessarily always provide you the tools and the the training is you have to invest in yourself. Yes, absolutely. All successful people. And I don't remember who said it and you, maybe, you know, but, uh, and I think it was one of the presidents or something or somebody high up. Uh, they said something about that. All, uh, readers are not leaders, but all leaders are readers. And mm-hmm. I agree. With that mm-hmm. It's a great, great statement. Mm-hmm. So, the other thing you said that I thought was really interesting is is talking about sort of symptoms of managers in, in trouble is that managers who don't understand the difference between motivation and manipulation. Yeah. Yeah. Manipulation is getting people to do uh, something that you want them to do and they don't really want to do it and you force them to do it. Motivation is finding within them the desire to do something and you just basically encourage them and give them free reign to get it done. 
You know, that's the difference. Manipulation is something, like I said, they don't want to do that you're forcing them to do. Well, but for so many people, that that's what management is. I know. I agree. So it how, do, be, how, do, how do you change their mindset? I mean, if you're a small business owner like yourself and you've got a manager, you think it's got some potential, but you're just looking at the way that they're dealing with their people and you're saying, God, this is, yeah, this is counterproductive. He's just, you know, do this because I say so, not, hey, let me inspire and motivate you to, to do this. How do you work with them to help them change path? Well, first of all, before anybody becomes a manager in our company, they have to exhibit the, the, uh, the mindset of I'm going to be better tomorrow than I am today. And when they have that, it's easy for them to have it with their people. And when, you, when your people – by the way, Gallup found this in their research. They said that you are successful and happy at work if you feel like you have – this is one of the 12 things I had. If you have someone at work who's encouraging your development. So when your people – as a leader, know that you care about them getting better in their career and, and moving ahead in their career, they will follow you to the ends of the earth when they know you care about them. And that's how powerful it is to have a good relationship with your people. A lot of times people will say, well, you can't really get too close to your people because they'll try to take advantage of you. Well, I got news for you. I'm very close with my people, but if they try to take advantage of that situation, I quickly put them in their place. You know, I, I have great salespeople, but I, in the past I've had some of them, well, Dave, you know, I'm doing a great job. You can let me get by with this. <laughs> but no, I can't. But based on the relationship you have correct, with them, I, doubt that, I doubt that rarely happens in your business, though. Oh, yeah, definitely. No, no, it doesn't. But it does, you know, sometimes. It just depends on the individual. But, you know, you'll get someone, and it's, it's a negotiating tactic. You know what I'm talking about. When mm -hmm. somebody does something really great, that's the time to ask me for a favor. <laughs> so, yeah, that happens. Got it. Well, well let's talk about your rewards acronym, if you will. So you talk about the, the rewards program, Seven Steps Rewards, Personal Professional Development Program for a Manager. And rewards is an acronym that stands for Reconnaissance, Education, Winners Emerge, Attitude, Recognition, duplication and success. Yeah. So let's start with reconnaissance, which to me is really about, it's an assessment, if you will. That's exactly right. So and in the military, they call it recon. So let's just use that as the term. Sure. Uh, you basically start as the leader of the company, you start with your management team and you assess and you do as Brian Tracy said in the zero based thinking. And he said this, he said, Andy, if you had to do it over again, would you hire Bill? And if your answer, regardless if Bill's been there five years, one month, or 10 years, or 20, I don't care. He says, if you had to do it over again, would you hire him? And if the answer is no, then let them go. And put that, someone in that position who really is going to help you grow and let them shine in your company and help take your company and everyone in it to the next level. Whereas if you, if you uh, basically let someone stay on your team who is weak, you drag everybody down. It affects everything. So that's, you want to start with the, with the leaders within the company. So you start with your management team. And I, I like to use the analogy of a car. Is the car is driving down the road, Andy, and you have a flat tire, what do the other three tires have to do so you can fix the tire? Uh. Come to, to a stop. Over. <laughs> Come to a stop, right? right. Yeah, they got to pull over because you've got a flat tire. So you're sitting there. The other three aren't moving either because you have one that needs to be replaced. And that's what happens when you tolerate a weak and ineffective manager on your team. 
is you can be going along on the road and all of a sudden that person does something stupid or doesn't hold up their end of the bargain. You know, you could have a phenomenal sales team, but if you've got a a crappy productive team because you have a weak manager who doesn't ship the product as promised, then the entire company suffers. So you have to look at it that way. Each manager has to make sure they are adding value in, from their particular department and their team. And if they drop the ball, everyone suffers. So we want to have four brand new, you know, really thick tread tires. We do not want to have to pull over for any reason because when it happens, everybody has to pull over and suffer along with them because we tolerated the weak manager. So once we get a solid management team in place, you as the leader will sit down with each department head and say, all right, Bob, you're the department head for this particular part of the company. Let's analyze your 13 employees or 14 employees or whatever it is. And you talk about each one. You know, what's, uh, you know, what's Andy like? You know, Andy, uh, he's a great employee. Yeah, you know, all that kind of thing. Yeah, well, what are we doing to develop him? You know, we want to help him move to the next level in his career as well. And so you're, you do that with each person. You know, you get down, what do you think about Jill? Now, Jill, uh, you know, we've had to what we call performance uh, enhancement, and she's been written up a bunch of different times. And, and I, in my book, I talk about, look, you either fix them or you fire them. If you have to cattle prod somebody 15 times to do the same thing over and over again, You've got better things to do with your time. So let them go and replace them with a winner, not a dud that they are. So you yeah, do that. Yeah, you'll ask that same question about the people that work for your managers is knowing what okay. you know about this person, would you hire them again? Correct. And that will, that will answer a lot of problems for you, without a doubt. So yeah, that's, that's what recon. Recon your management team, and then with your management, pardon me, with your management team, each member, you assess the team that they have and determine what you do with each of those people. Okay, great. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the next step, which is one of my passion points, which is the education. And be back right with my guest, David Long. Hi, this is Andy. Connect and Sell is used by sales reps at nearly a thousand companies, including hundreds of technology startups and several Fortune 500 companies, to overcome the challenges of getting prospects on the phone. Companies using Connect and Sell grow their revenues faster by enabling their sales reps to have more sales conversations in 90 minutes than they could otherwise achieve in an entire week. Connect and Sell can be deployed directly to your sales reps, or you can take advantage of their outbound on-demand service, which delivers qualified prospect meetings scheduled directly on your sales reps' calendars. Visit connectandsell.com to learn more about how Connect and Sell can start filling your pipeline today. Okay, welcome back to the show. With me today is my guest, David Long. David Long is CEO of My Employees, as well as the author of the book, Built to Lead, which we're talking about, Seven Management Rewards, which is an acronym for becoming a top 10% manager. Now, the E in rewards is education. And I love what you talk about this is because you talk about investing company time in people reading and learning, which yes. is so rare. I mean, people say, oh, yeah, we do that for training, don't we? But you're talking about doing it on an ongoing basis. So tell people about the book clubs that you run inside the company. Okay. Uh, I believe without a doubt it is, if not the number one, it's very close, reason that we are successful as a team. And I basically read a book about uh, 11 or so years ago now by Dr. Tony Zeiss, who is, by the way, the, the uh, uh, oh, just drew, not the principal, doggone it, what's the, the president, pardon me, of Central Piedmont Community College in Charlotte, North Carolina. That may not sound like a big deal, but that's the largest community college network in the nation. 
Okay. And Tony is immensely sharp, and he's a friend and mentor of mine now. And I read the book, and I said, you know, my, my, my employees really should get this. And the book was The 12 Essential Laws for Becoming Indispensable. And I read it while I was traveling. And I got back, and I ordered some. This is back before Amazon came on the scene. I ordered them, and I called a meeting in the break room of my company. And we only had about 12 employees, I think, at the time. Today we have 59. But I called the meeting, and I said, guys, I said, here's a book I got you. Here's a highlighter. Here's a notebook. I want you to read chapter one on attitude. And next Wednesday, I'm going to have pizza brought in, and we're going to talk about this over lunch. Of course, they looked at me, and like I'd lost my mind. And, uh, you know, I kind of jokingly say sometimes that uh, they had a meeting between them, and there were pitchforks and, uh, you know, uh, torches, and they were, you know, like the villagers, you know, go after the monster. So they weren't too thrilled about the idea of us doing book club. And uh, they were going, they didn't understand it. I said, we're going to talk about this. I'm going to invest some time and money into helping us all grow together as a team. And uh, I even had two of my salespeople come to me and say they were uncomfortable with this. They were great phone salespeople, but they weren't the type of people that wanted to talk in front of, other, in front of others. So I said, no, we're going to do this as a team. You're among friends. Don't worry about it. And, and with the first week when we started, they came in the meeting, and nobody wanted to say anything. So I started talking to them about my attitude and how it affected me a few times in my life. And Andy, by this, this, probably the second the end of the second week, the third week or fourth or somewhere in that area, everybody, all the walls had come down. Everybody was contributing. and We were laughing. And we were cutting up. And, you know, today we have, like I said, 59 employees, adding another one probably in the next few days. So I might as well say 60. I think he starts Monday. But we actually, and there's so many people today, we can no longer do it over lunch because people have, you know, got to go look for my, go to the doctor, you know, get my tired fixed as we talk mm-hmm, about tired so they basically, I split the company in two. So half the company comes in on Wednesday morning at 10, and the other half comes on Thursday morning at 10 for an hour. And I pay them an hour to be in that room every week. And it costs me about $80,000 a year. And people are going, you're out of your dead blame mind. Well, it's made me millions, so you tell me if I'm out of my mind. <laughs> and you well, know, the thing is, is that they come in there, and by the way, Andy, the book clubs are not about how to do their job better. No. Nothing to do with that. It's how to have a better life. You know, we, for example, we bought, I bought Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University for my employees. And we watched DVDs and, you know, for the first half hour, we turned it off, and then we discussed what Dave said during the DVD. You know, we bought Dale Carnegie's book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember distinctly, we had 35 or 36 employees at the time. And when we finished that book, Andy, I had four of them. Tell me that book saved their marriage. Ultimately, one of the marriages broke up, but the other three are still going strong. You know, put a price on that, buddy. Well, I mean, think about the cost that it would be to, yeah. you know, do four days of classroom training yeah. that roughly costs you $80,000, that people are going to sit there for a day, and then as research, you know, shows without a doubt, they're going to forget 90% of it within That's three right. weeks or four weeks. Whereas before, whereas what you're doing now with the book club is they're continually engaged in Everyone. learning. Yes. They're discussing it. They're remembering yep. it. So how many books do they get through in a year? Well, it depends. Sometimes, like I said, we do DVD courses. Sure. So, you know, we, we kind of mix them up. But all the things that we learn are to help you have a better life apart from working at the company. But the beautiful thing of it, Andy, is when they have a phenomenal personal life, it affects them at work and they take better care of our clients. They get along better. It's a win-win for everyone involved. 
Yeah, I mean, you know what happens to employees that are, you know, distracted by things going on outside of work than oh, their lives. Gracious. I mean, it's, yeah. it's why I've, would you I've do, experienced why, it myself you, with my own life. I mean, it's... Go ahead. Well, I said I've experienced it myself in my own life. I mean, of course. time I went through a divorce, it, uh, yeah, my performance was not very good at that time. You're distracted. So the last thing I want is my employees getting calls from creditors saying you have not paid your bills. So a person can always spend every dime they make, right? So yeah. if yeah. they don't learn how to manage their money, they're going to make mistakes. And personally, it's phenomenal. And if, if you were here, I could show you texts and various things that my people send me. Dave, I just paid off my college loans. Man, what an awesome feeling that is. Or Dave, I just paid off my car or my husband's car or whatever. I mean, that's phenomenal. They make, every one of those make my day because I know I had a part of that in making them have a more successful and happier life. So, I mean, we have a ball together as a team. Got it. Well, another of your steps in your seven steps is one that I really like is attitude. Yeah. Because, you know, people understand, they'll acknowledge there's lots of things you don't have control over yep. in business and in life. But one thing you always have complete control over is your attitude. Yep. Yep. So in sales, I talk about this in the books I've written. I stress the need that you always need to focus on those elements of the sales process that you have control over. Like how responsive are you to your customers? You know, what's your service, customer service orientation and culture? You know, your product knowledge, your customer knowledge. That's all attitude. Indeed. Let me tell you what my father told me. My father passed away two and a half years ago. He was a Baptist pastor for 55 years. So he'd been in the trenches of life and seen just, you know, everything you could imagine. Right. And dad told me, he said, when I was young, I think I was 14 or 15 years old. I remember my dad said, he said, son, your attitude is like a piece of glass or a prism. And if you, if it's clear, you hold it up and everything you see through it is clear. And then, but if you take that same piece of glass and you drop it in the mud and you pick it up, everything you're going to see through it is dirty and cloudy. And that's your attitude. I can say the exact same thing to two different people. And depending on your attitude is how you take what I said. So it's critical that you keep your filter clean because you automatically assume the wrong thing if you have a bad attitude. And that hurts you in your career and in your life. Yeah. And I said, it's, you, it's one thing you do have control over. And this is what I stress to people and people listening yeah, you can't control, if, if you're a salesperson, you can't control the price of your product, you can't control the features of your product, but you can control these aspects of your attitude have to do with, again, your service orientation, your responsiveness, you know, your knowledge, you know, how much you invest in yourself. And that can make the difference between you winning versus somebody else that doesn't have that attitude. Absolutely. So important. Okay. Last one I want to talk about is, is the last one, success, which talk about serving and giving oh good gracious uh success i remember you know i told you my dad was a pastor for mm -hmm. years and uh he gave him and mom gave me this bible uh a nice leather bible you know when i graduated high school and inside my dad wrote uh in the words of dale moody who was an old-time evangelist or whatever yeah, yeah, he said success is is finding the will of god for your life and doing it and uh that's very critical let me just say i have all the trappings of success but I do not look to that for my satisfaction in life. And let me tell you how a great example, and I have this story in my book, but it's actually the guy who won at the time the largest lottery in the history of the United States was $314 million, and I think he was in Kentucky or West Virginia. But anyway, the guy who won was already a millionaire with 100 employees that worked for him. And he won all this money, and here's what happened. His marriage fell apart. 
his relationship with his daughter fell apart, his employees, everybody, he just stopped, you know, his life was just totally upside down. But it, the bottom line, in essence, is his granddaughter, who was the apple of his eye, he said, honey, you can stop working. You don't need to work another day in your life. So he started giving her like $2,000 a week spending money. And what's a kid going to do? You know, he bought her three or four cars. So she started hanging around with the wrong people, started taking drugs. Ultimately, she died of an OD. And I remember ABC 2020 program, they were interviewing this guy, talking about his whole story. And I remember at the end, he said, the worst thing that ever happened to me was winning the lottery. Now, everybody out there that's listening to this has probably said, oh, uh, you know, they think about what it would be like to win the lottery. Well, quite frankly, it could be the worst possible thing to ever happen to you if you're like most people. So I do not look for my success in money because it's not going to make you happy. Because when you get a certain amount, like I just said, you know, we, you know, my wife and I, again, are, are once again, I don't say this to be arrogant, but multimillionaires, but we do not make money our goal. I get so much satisfaction and accomplishment in my life by making my clients and my employees and my friends and family to help them take their life to the next level. That is my legacy, not a bunch of stinking money that is just dirty money. I mean, it's, you know, money is nothing more than a tool, Andy. You can use it to build a homeless shelter or you can use it to buy drugs for yourself. I mean, it's nothing but a tool. It's a way, as someone said, is to keep score. But it will do nothing but destroy your life if you make it the end game, the end goal for all that you do. You will be a shell of a person uh, if you put that as your main thing you're after. Yeah. I mean, if, if it's all about the reward and not yeah. the process and not the, yeah. the giving to the people, being of value to others. Yes, absolutely. Then, yeah, it's somewhat meaningless at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Well, good. Well, we're gonna move to the last segment of the show. I've got some questions for you that are sort of fun questions I ask all my guests. And uh, we'll start with the first one, which is a hypothetical scenario I pose. And I've asked hundreds of people this question is, you're a new sales leader that's been hired into a company whose sales have stalled out. And you've been brought in to turn around the ship. And so what two things would you do in the first week that would have the biggest impact? I'd sit down with every salesperson and find out what motivates them. Then I would create a program where I would make sure that they can attain what really motivates them. You know, some people, as we've talked about money, some people want more money because maybe they're having a tougher time paying their bills. Other people look at time off as being a reward, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? So I help them, look, if you do this, I'm going to give you this. and I'm going to make sure that they have all the tools that they need. I'm going to make sure they know that I care about them and support them in every way, shape, or form because they've got to drink the same Kool-Aid I do if we're going to be successful. So that's what I do. I sit down with each individual. I find out what drives them, and I make sure I'm using that driving force to make them successful. And they pull and push everyone to a higher level when I can do that. Excellent. Great answer. This is actually a very similar answer to uh, what Tom Ziegler gave. I mean, he, cool. he talked about it in terms of dream alignment. Find out what their I'll dreams are. Listen to that one. Uh, align the process to the dream. So very mm-hmm. excellent answer. Okay. So obviously you've done a lot of selling in your career. So what's the most powerful sales tool that you have in your own arsenal? Listening. 
uh, I, it's, it's asinine for you to go to the doctor and the doctor trying to tell you, uh, yes, you need this. Uh, you need to take this remedy here, put this cream on your elbow. And well, doc, I'm in here, you know, my earache, I have an earache, you know, it's asinine for you to go out and try to give somebody what they need because you think that's what they need. Shut your pie hole. You know, some, as someone said, you got two ears and one mouth for a reason. So ask questions, wait for the answers, and then determine what to say and how to diagnose the problem fully before you give the remedy. Got it. So what's one tool you use for managing sales in your own company that you can't live without? Oh, uh, Google Docs. Believe it or not. <laughs> we have our, I have my dashboard. It's right here in front of me on my computer. Okay. You know, I have, I have four screens that I look at all the time. Actually, five. And uh, that gives me the pulse of everything I need to know within the company. When I'm on vacation, if I'm in Europe and I've got internet, I can get on here and see exactly how everyone in my company is doing down to the amount of time that they are on the phone, the time that they are actually working, the amount of samples that they send out, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I can tell it all. And I don't have to micromanage my people because I see everything. Got it. Who's your business role model? Uh, Michael Gerber is huge, without a doubt. Uh, Jack Welch, oh, good gracious. Mm -hmm. You know, I've, I've read everything uh, those people have put out. Uh, you know, you mentioned Tom Ziegler. I've read everything his dad had, had, had written. Yeah. And phenomenal guy. Matter of fact, his goals DVD is what we play in our company every January. You know, is uh, Zig Ziegler's uh, goals. If you've never seen it, highly recommend you do. It's timeless. Got it. All right. Great recommendation. So besides your own book, what's one book that you recommend every manager read? Well, I always have to say the Bible first because <laughs> it teaches you how to, how, to do, how to live right for sure. But after that, I say Dale Carnegie's book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Okay. Because relationships are with everyone. Whether you're selling, getting along with the people you work with, your wife, your kids, neighbors, it doesn't matter. You, know, you have to be able to have a good, solid relationship with the people that you deal with. And that teaches you how to do it. It's a great book. All right, here's a tough question for you. What's your favorite music to listen to to put a smile on your face? To put a smile on my face. I, I like, I'm a, I'm a, I was born in 1957, uh, so I'm a child of the 70s. Mm -hmm. I, like, uh, I like the Eagles uh, probably the best. You know, uh, it's just, I, I, it takes me back sure. you know, to high school. So, and I, I've lived at the beach when I was younger. I was surfing and... You know, I rode motorcycles, still do. But, uh, you know, I, I like to have a good time in life, and that always puts a smile on my face when I can, you know, listen to some of the Eagles' music. Excellent. Okay, last question. So what's the one question you get most get asked most frequently by managers? Uh, how did you do it? And your answer and, is? And it's, it's simple. This is the very things we've been talking about here. I make sure... As, and I live by, you know, we're talking about Tom, Tom Ziegler. I live by Zig Ziegler's quote where he basically, in essence, said, to get what you want in life, you must first help others get what they want. Mm -hmm. And that's my goal. I make sure my people have phenomenal lives. And guess what? I do, too. Great. Well, good. Well, I want to thank you for being my guest today. With me has been <laughs> David Long, me. founder and CEO of My Employees. And how can people find out more about you? Uh, they can buy my book on Amazon. By the way, if they buy the hardback copy on Amazon and they uh, send me an email at davidlong at top10manager.com. By the way, that's one zero instead of T-E-N. davidlong at top10manager.com. And they send me an email and the subject line says send Kindle version. I will send them the Kindle version for free, which by the way sells for 10 bucks 
on Amazon. And I'll also send them the workbook that I wrote to help them maximize what they get out of it. So it's 35 years of, of leadership. Once again, top 1% in three different separate unrelated industries. So, I mean, I want people to read the book. I just want them to be able to have a better life. Excellent. Okay. It's a good recommendation. This information will be on the website uh, and the particular show notes page for this episode. So thanks again for joining us. Remember, friends, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And subscribing to this podcast is an easy way to do that because then you'll make sure you don't miss any of our conversations with top business experts like our guest today, David Long, who share their experience and expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining us. And until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com.